Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, episode 20, with special guest Craig Ballantyne. My name is Dan J. Gregory, and I am committed to hunting down the secrets of business mastery and human performance. My goal for the Unstoppable Podcast is to share insights from some of the most successful entrepreneurs, inspiring thought leaders, world-class athletes, and prominent celebrities to help you to become unstoppable in business and life. Each week, I'll be bringing you a new interview with an inspiring person and sharing my own results as I pursue the answers to the question, how can I create the ultimate edge in my business, make a significant impact, and live an extraordinary life? Welcome to episode 20 of the Unstoppable Podcast. I'm here in central London right now, about to support the Tony Robbins organization over the next four days and nights as he brings his Unleash the Power Within seminar to London. It's going to be a cranking event over the next four days with close to 7,000 participants. If you're not familiar with Tony Robbins' work, he's the number one business and life strategist in the world. He's a highly sought after business advisor and leadership expert. Uh, and I'll be supporting the event with a, a group of around about 50 individuals over the next four days. So a really exciting time coming up. Uh, if you haven't heard of his work, then I'd strongly recommend checking it out, starting with something like the Awaken the Giant Within book, if you're a reader. If you're not a reader, then the Personal Power 2 audio series is a great introduction. And be sure to get to the next Unleash the Power Within in a uh, city near you. It's uh, one of the most transformational experiences you'll ever go through. So tonight, I've got a very special guest on the show. His name is Craig Ballantyne. Craig Ballantyne is a fitness and personal development guru from Toronto in Ontario, Canada, and he's the author of The Perfect Day Formula, How to Own the Day and Control Your Life. Craig has been a major contributor to the Men's Health magazine since 2000, and his articles have also appeared in a wide range of top-end fitness and lifestyle magazines around the world. In 2001, he created the popular home workout program, Turbulence Training, And he's also the founder of the Certified Turbulence Training Program, where he certifies trainers from all corners of the globe, and he hosts an annual Turbulence Training Summit every year for fitness experts to come and become better trainers and get more clients into their boot camps so they can make more money and live the perfect life in their industry. Craig's online success has led him to create books and coaching programs to show other gurus how to take their ideas and help thousands of people in the process. In addition, Craig is also the co-owner of the success newsletter earlytorise.com, an incredible online resource dedicated to helping you to live a richer, fuller life, where you'll find his daily essays on success, productivity, time management, fitness, weight loss, and self-improvement. It's a great resource. I've been following it for a number of years. Craig's had to overcome a number of obstacles on his way. His toughest battle was spending six months suffering crippling anxiety attacks until he finally discovered how to beat them with his five pillars of transformation. In today's episode, you'll hear Craig's journey and his top tips to help you succeed in your business and life. Let's go over to the show. Welcome, Craig. It's a pleasure to have you today on the Unstoppable podcast. I'm really excited for our interview today. Um, I know in the preparation for uh, today's show, I saw a quote that said, you're the most disciplined man in the world. And this is something I'm uh, really keen to explore, particularly in line with your perfect day uh, formula. Um, but to kick us off, to give the listeners a bit of a frame for for those of the, the listeners who don't know who you are, would you mind sharing your your current business, what you focus on at the moment? Yeah, certainly. Right now, it is a business called EarlyToRise.com, and it's a success and health and wealth building newsletter that I that I actually acquired back in 2011, and there's quite a story to it. 
And before that, I was, you know, 100% in the fitness industry. Um, now I'm kind of 50% in the fitness industry and 50% in the early to rise industry, I guess you would say. So I've always been helping people transform their lives. And I look forward to sharing some nuggets here with people today. As my listeners are kind of um, in the 25 to 35 range, just Gen, Gen Y range, um, multi-passionate, multi-talented how does someone find clarity in terms of your fitness background and going to personal development? How did you make the decision in terms of what to focus on when you were starting your business? Well, I started on what I knew absolutely the best, what I could be um, better than everybody else at, and also is really the opportunities that were arising. So if you'll venture back with me to 1998, which was when I was, um, well, I was 23, so I was a little bit younger than most of the people on this call. I was finishing up uh, what's called a kinesiology degree here in Canada, and then I moved on into a master's of exercise physiology degree, and I always wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach in the NHL. Um, fallback would have been the Premier League, but uh, you know, in, in neither neither one of those industries or leagues were all not all teams had a, a strength and conditioning coach, and so it was really the edge of the industry, and so. I was kind of ahead of the curve, and I had an opportunity to start writing for Men's Health magazine in 2000, and then I realized here's a, a way that I could help a lot of people. It was something that I loved doing. It was easy for me, but I also, you know, by age 25, I had nearly 10 years under my belt, uh, you know, training myself and training other people, so, you know, if I, I pretty much was an outlier as far as Malcolm Gladwell would say. And so you need to balance your passion and your dreams with what you're really good at right now. And I've met a lot of young people who are really, really good at things. So it's not like uh, you know a young person can't be a world-leading expert. You know, for example, every summer I go to Lithuania and I teach uh, 50 young entrepreneurs how to grow their businesses, and we do it there because of. Uh, some liberty and entrepreneur it's a liberty and entrepreneurship camp so it's also a little bit of uh, politics but you know we've been doing that for seven years and i've met some of the smartest people in my life at this camp and they're all under 30 wow. so the thing is the people that are succeeding have dialed in you know what they went to school for um you know what their experience is and really taking advantage of that. And if you go back to Tim Ferriss's book, The Four Hour Work Week, he, he talks about a phrase called arbitrage, mm -hmm. which is, you know, taking your expertise in one area and kind of leveraging an opportunity or a loophole in another area. And so I really think that people just need to, um, you know, at every age, but also, you know, specifically for your audience, is be introspective and to take a look. And just sit back and think objectively about their life. You know, what are they good at? What do they want to do? But what are they willing to work hard at? And that's where you should spend your time. Uh, one last thing on that. Warren Buffett has what he calls his circle of competence. And that is, um, you know, it's basically the three things that uh, help him decide whether or not what he's going to go into. And one of those is am I willing to study this basically all day and all night? And if it's not something you're willing to study all day and all night, then it's probably going to be something you're going to drop out of. And so for me, back in the day, you know, I was, you know, reading, sleeping, breathing, training, uh, training. <laughs> and so that was an easy thing for me to do. And that's how I got into that. 
But over time, as I started reading early to rise as a as a reader and a client of theirs, I realized this is what I really want to do because I wanted just to help people in as many ways as I could. And fitness is not necessarily one dimensional, but it's not a completely holistic way of helping people transform their lives. And so I know a lot of people listening feel that way and you will evolve over time. But, you know, get stuck in, go deep and you'll succeed. Absolutely. And uh, I know there's a really interesting story around how you came into into power early to rise. And I'll touch on that in a moment. But in terms of your own fitness journey, was there a was there a defining moment for you that that really switched on your desire to, to go into that industry in terms of your own fitness transformation? What was the what was the defining moment for you in terms of stepping into that world? Actually, it was uh, much more before I even exercised, you know, wow. for the first time. I was four years old. I was in a car with my mother coming back uh, from town. We lived just on the outside of town on a farm. And it was back in 1979 before most people on this call were, were even alive. And, you know, I looked into, uh, looked at where my mom and she was really sad. And, you know, so I'm four years old. So this is like one of my first memories in my life. And it stuck with me. And I realized, you know, she was sad. And I said, mommy, you know, what's, uh, what's wrong? You know, Something like that. I probably didn't say you know, but uh, you know, she's she looked at me and said, um, you know, I didn't lose any weight at my Weight Watchers meeting today, and you know that's why she was sad. And so that stuck with me, and that has stuck with me, to, and you know, inspired me to do these transformation like businesses to help people succeed in their lives. Because you know, along the way, I've just discovered most stuff is relatively simple in terms of success. It's not easy, but it's simple. You know, just here's a proven blueprint. You just have to follow it. And uh, I think that a lot of things can be done a lot faster than uh, and more efficient than most people do, just like Tim's book shows people how to do. And so that was what inspired me back in the day. Now, I was never overweight. I was always into training for sports and stuff. But that was the uh, kind of catalyst that got me into where I am today. And when you entered into the fitness industry back in uh, 1998, what was your what was your vision at that point uh, when you entered that market? Well, again, actually, it was all the way when I was 16 years old and I started training. And you know, my idea was I'm not going to make it into the National Hockey League. How else can I do it? You know, if not as a player, what can I do? So I started thinking, okay, well. You know, there's people that train these guys. There was a few. And, you know, so even in 1994, when I started university, that was my goal. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to get this degree. I'm going to get into the pros. Um, I started looking at, okay, what did the few strength and conditioning coaches have? They all had a master's degree in exercise physiology, and they all had a certified strength and conditioning specialist um, designation. So I went and got that in 1998. And then I did my master's degree and I you know, was really getting close to doing it. Um, I never ended up working with professional hockey players, uh, more than one or two of them. And I never ended up working with any NFL guys except for one or two of them. But I actually spend um, most of my time training rugby players for Candace national team, um, even though I'd never played the sport before. So wow. that was what I ended up doing. But that was always, again, just limited in Canada by the economics which uh, today is not a limitation. A lot of people are, are paying for their children to have strength and conditioning. But in 1998, it was very foreign. You know, I get a couple guys a summer and it really it wasn't a full-time gig. So I needed to find something else. And then I just, I lucked into writing for Men's Health. And, you know, that was 2000. So that was over 15 years ago that I've been a regular contributor to them. 
And that exposed me to the busy guy who I helped for the next six to 10 years um, with turbulence training, my business. And then I expanded even more into um, female fitness and then into the personal development stuff. Wow. So um, in terms of your initial entrepreneurial journey, what were some of the biggest challenges you faced um, going alone when you first started out? Well, I mean, you think back to 2000, this is the internet has been around for about six years ish. I mean, I had my first email account in 1994, but I think that was the first year people started getting email at my university. Um, in 1998, you know, email or the internet was still super slow, but that's when I, it was 1999 when I started writing an email newsletter and I was sending it out, believe it or not, uh, using the BCC field in a Hotmail account. So I had wow. 3,000 people on my email list at one time, wow. and you can only get 50 people in the BCC. So I had to send out nearly 60 emails to send a newsletter. Wow. Yeah, I know. It sounds so ridiculous. You know, like no I'm wonder just, why you're focused on productivity now with uh, that kind right. of work. <laughs> right. So I'm like that crazy old guy who you know had to w- walk up the hill in bare feet in snow you know, just to get to school you know, telling that story. But anyways, um, you know, so technology was a big problem. Also, you know, the internet was a wild, wild west back then. I mean, some things were legal, some things were, you know, what's called, well, there was a lot of things called black hat, which was, you know, you can get link stuffing on your website and that sort of thing. So it was hard to keep up with all that. And, and really, I should have just focused on creating amazing content. Uh, you know, a good friend of mine, John Berardi is a really great example. He just focused on creating content because he knew nothing about, you know, the technology of the internet and he's grown a great business. And I, I did pretty much that as well, but sometimes I would get sucked into thinking I needed to learn all this other stuff. So yeah, I guess that's the same as these days. There's a lot of people out there promising, you know, my format or my, you know, secret weapon is going to help you get a lot of traffic to your website. And so it's always been difficult to separate the truth from the um, you know the myths out there, mm. but back then a lot of it was technology based and finding people that had kind of uh, gone through and done what I wanted to achieve. And it wasn't until about 2006 I hired a business coach named Tom Venuto who created a product called Burn the Fat, Feed the Muscle, and he was a guy who has who has in, incredible integrity. He has the highest standards, and so I hired him as a coach, and he helped me. Uh, redo my turbulence training business so that it really took off that year. And that was a, an incredible, incredible uh, experience and having Tom as a coach. Awesome. And, and, and when you were working with a coach, was did you work purely strategically? I mean, a lot of the conversations I have with, with my clients, often it's at the mental level, even in terms of people's internal barriers that are stopping them from getting where they want to go. Um, I'm interested to know, you know, this podcast is always all about looking not only up to people who have been highly successful, but really looking into them in terms of those same challenges we all face as human beings. Was there, was there times during the initial part of your entrepreneurial career where you were particularly stung by fear or doubts? Was that something that you, you worked with with your coach? Um, no. So now, ironically, when I was working with Tom, I was undergoing a six-week or a six-month – well, no, it was, it was like six weeks to three months of crippling anxiety attacks. So every time I would have a coaching call with Tom, I was worried. I never told him this. Wow. Um, I, I keep a lot of things to myself, which is probably why I have anxiety. But anyways, um, I, I would be on the phone with Tom, and I'd be worried that I wouldn't get through the call without like having to – um, end it early because I thought I'd be having a heart attack. So at one point I actually had one of my clients, one of my personal training clients 
who was an obese, five foot three, 310 pound lawyer who really needed, you know, to improve his health. I actually had him take me to the emergency room because I thought I was having a heart attack from my anxiety attacks. So all through my anxiety attacks, I'm going through coaching with Tom and all we did um, with Tom is strategic stuff. So tactical stuff. We wrote copy, we wrote um, emails. And so I actually always believed in myself. Um, I always have, I always have known that I'm going to, you know, come heck or high water, I'm going to make it work uh, one way or another. I'm just not going to stop. So I didn't necessarily have those issues. Um, although I know, you know, I've coached a lot of people and a lot of people have a lot of fear. Um, I don't love getting critical emails and seeing, you know, websites devoted to Craig Valentine, the idiot, but there are those things out there and I don't like them, but it doesn't stop me from doing things. Now, for some other people, it does stop them from doing things. Um, we have a, I have a run a mastermind here in America with uh, a friend of mine, and we have people who get stopped all the time from, you know, putting up a website or sending out a real hard promotional email. And the thing is, what I've noticed over time is that you can take even the most um, timid salesperson, and over time, they'll become a very, very confident salesperson just with enough positive feedback. And so, I mean, that's how you train anybody or anything, including dogs, on how to behave properly, is giving them positive feedback for doing things that are good for them. So, you know, you train a dog to be a good dog, not by yelling at it, but by giving it a treat when it sits. You give a dog a treat when it doesn't run after another dog and it will stop running after other dogs. If you give a timid salesperson or somebody who's scared of, you know, criticism, a reward, you know, positive feedback or, you know, monetary success because they go out and take action, then they'll go out and take more action. So you just have to make sure when you're coaching your clients that, you know, especially at the start that you're giving them, you know, kind of softballs that they can easily hit into a home run, you know, like, hey, just send this email out to you know, a half of your list and let's see if they make, you know, you make like three sales, which, you know, they make 10 sales and like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that happened. And then they'll be like, okay, what can I do next? And they have less and less fear and more and more confidence. So that's how you build everybody up uh, for that. And that's my coaching experience, even though I didn't necessarily have that same um, need in my own personal uh, business transformation. So on the flip side, then you spoke about your um, your self belief and your desire. Can can you trace your self belief back in terms of what lit up that fire within you that gave you that belief in yourself and the internal drive to make things happen? Um, I just must have been born a real arrogant person because I remember when I was five years old. So this must be my second uh, uh, memory of life. Uh, so I was five years old. I was playing with my cousins, and for some reason, the thought popped in my head that. I am a special person. And ever since then, I've believed it and just went out and got things done. So it's really kind of bizarre, I guess, to, to say that. But um, And I certainly have never always been Mr. Super James Bond confident, but <laughs> I've always believed in myself in terms of business and getting things done. I've always thought I was a very smart individual. And so uh, you know, it does sound arrogant, but that's, uh, you know, I've been that way since I was a kid. So fortunately I haven't had to, to deal with that. It was just something that popped into my crazy head. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, a lot of the conversations I've had on this podcast are trying to trace back to those moments that 
were defining moments really and when it's those formative beliefs early on in your life people don't really recognize often how powerful they can be either positively or negatively but that's something surely that's uh, shaped your life incredibly for for, for good um and you know some yeah I'm sorry to interrupt Dan I'll just say one thing like again just to just to say that I'm not you know the world's greatest at everything um as you mentioned the formative beliefs that start really early in your life so you know I, I grew up in a I wouldn't say a poor family, I mean, but we were lower middle class for sure, you know, used clothing and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, we, we didn't, or my parents didn't look at salespeople as honorable people, you know, it's like, oh, we got to go and buy this thing from this person. They're going to try and rip us off. And so that's really negatively affected me as a face to face salesperson, um, for the last, you know, 35 plus years. And it's just been recently when I've had, uh, again, going back to what I mentioned about coaching, you know, I've had some sales success recently and, you know, selling high price masterminds, selling uh, high price coaching and consulting days where it's like, oh, I really can do this. I really am good at this. And it was easier for me to do it by to sell by email back in the day because you didn't have to sit there and get a no to your face. And so I was kind of like a coward in the way that I was you know, creating my business and that I was like, you know, I'll just send this email out. and it, It's not, you know, there's not going to be any negativity if somebody doesn't buy, you know, there's actually only an upside to sending out an email because, you know, you get sales and you get no rejections. Technically you get a lot of rejections, but you don't hear them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but for me personally, uh, I was always knew I'd be able to make that work, but I never thought I was very good at selling from the stage or selling one-on-one until recently. So, and that was because of the formative years that I had where, you know, salespeople were not looked upon highly in our family. Wow. Wow. Thanks for being so open and sharing that, Craig. That's, uh, that's an amazing insight. Um, and I guess that's quite a, quite a defining moment. What, what would you say are uh, some of your other most defining moments in your career um, to date? Well, I would say that what the most important thing that I did and the most important thing that I didn't do were one hiring a coach that was the most important thing i did and not hiring a coach soon enough was the biggest mistake that i ever made i mean i could have afforded a coach two or three years earlier but uh you know i was just cheap and stubborn and stupid and thought i could do it all on my own so if i had hired my coach earlier i'd be so far ahead you know you and i would have been having this conversation over a year ago, my book would have been out years ago. You know, I would have been helping more people. And so, you know, I didn't have any fear like you asked about before, but I had stupidity in terms of just being cheap and not hiring a coach and not admitting that I didn't know everything. So there's certainly a double-edged sword to that uh, arrogance that I had. And, you know, those, that was a defining moment. But then fortunately, I've also been um, – the type of person who goes to a lot of seminars and meets a lot of people. I'm not an extrovert by any means. I'm very introverted, actually. But I've made a lot of really good friends in the last 10 years going to events. And I do have a very, very strong network built up. So I can go to people and ask for connections and build a stronger network and you know get introduced to people like you, Dan, to do these great podcasts. So um, you know, I'd highly recommend to people, no matter how shy or introverted they are to get out there and meet people because as the old saying goes uh, who you know matters quite a bit Um, I wouldn't say it matters more than what you know but sometimes it does and and knowing people 
knowing good people, I mean, you can't go wrong with that. At the end of the day, even if they're just your friends and not your business partners, you're going to be much better off by having good people on your side. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it certainly raises your standard. You know, as I've, I've, as I've expanded my peer group, things have changed dramatically for me in terms of just seeing how people operate and you know, having their influence rub off on me. It's been, been quite powerful in its own right, let alone any of the other benefits that come from uh, you know, meeting people at a higher level or, or, or a peer at, on, on the same journey. Yeah, I think that's a very, very wise uh, observation, Dan. Great. So um, before I, I really want to talk about the um, perfect day formula, but before we do that, um, in terms of your transition into the early to rise, I know there's a great story there, and you had a vision to to be part of that, and, and it eventually materialized. Would you mind just touching on how you came about taking on early to rise? Yeah. So quick background: 2001 or 2000 was when a gentleman named Mark Ford started Early to Rise which was a, a health and wealth and success newsletter. Now, he was a very successful person before this um, in many businesses. And so he started this, and he started writing these daily essays. And he wrote for years and years and years. And I found him in 2001. And I just thought it was a wonderful newsletter and because it was helping people in more than just fitness. And after a couple of years of fitness, you, you know, some people like me get kind of tired of it. And so I was looking to expand and help more people. And then in 2006, I hired Tom, as I mentioned. And mm. the very first question that Tom asked me on our very first call was, Craig, what do you want your business to look like in five years from now? And I said, Tom, I want to have a business like Early to Rise. And then that was it in terms of the discussion on that. And you know, he helped me build my business. And then the year after that, I joined a mastermind group with Yannick Silver. And the year after that, I met a gentleman named Matt Smith. And Matt Smith and I are business partners at Early to Rise. And so Matt and I, you know, were friends from 2008 to 2010. We didn't do any business together. We just hung out. Uh, we traveled the world. And then we went to this event with Tim Ferriss and Yannick in the desert in Tucson, Arizona. And we were shooting, uh, shooting guns and driving cars. I was going to say shooting cars, but we weren't <laughs> shooting cars. We were shooting, shooting guns and driving cars and separate activities, um, learning actually from these really cool guys who spend a lot of time in uh, – in Vietnam and Iraq. And so anyways, uh, at the end of that event, Matt and I were in the airport in Tucson and, and Matt asked me kind of a similar question as to what Tom asked me. And I said, you know, I really want to expand into helping other people. And so, you know, I'm still modeling things after early to rise. And then six months later, he was at a seminar with Mark Ford. That is, Matt was at a seminar with Mark Ford. And Mark Ford said to Matt, you know, I'm, I've pretty much said everything I need to say about uh, early to rise. I'm going to, you know, sell the business. And, and Matt said to me, uh, sent me a text, actually. He said, hey, Craig, if you could run early to rise, would you still be interested in doing that? And I said, yeah. So, you know, we struck while the iron was hot. We flew down to Florida. We negotiated the, the acquisition of the business. And that was July 2011. So it was actually five months, or sorry, five years, three months, and 17 days after I originally had my answer to Tom of what I wanted to do in five years. And so it was really a remarkable story, um, you know, very much like what people have seen in The Secret, you know, the law of attraction. But I said, it's not the law of attraction, it's the law of action attraction. Because, you know, I look at all the things that I did. I, I hired a coach, um, you know, I did everything he said. I joined mastermind groups. I networked. I just started writing and coaching and helping other people. And eventually all of that stuff attracted the business of my dreams into my life. So 
you can get exactly what you want if you're very clear about it and if you tell the right people and if you do the right things. Magic, magic. I think some of the key things are, like you said, is, is telling people, not only the right people, but just telling people full stop. I think so many people hold their visions to themselves uh, and without sharing it, you're never going to attract A, the tribe to your brand or to the partners that you need to bring into your life or perhaps the person who could introduce you to someone who could make what happened. Yeah. Like in your case, it's uh, quite an amazing transformation how that's happened. And it's that power of intention uh, coming really into fruition. Um, really powerful stuff. Yeah, you do have to be careful about negative people, though. Um, you know, I wouldn't tell that to somebody who, you know, I wouldn't tell that to my cousin. Uh, not that my cousins are negative, but they wouldn't have any way of understanding what my dream was or being able to help me. They they might say, hey, you know, good luck, or they might just say, that sounds weird. Um, you know, but so, that, but you do really, you know, you want to get into seminars and stuff where you do meet these people who just are going to go out of their way to help you. And, you know, just like everybody on this call, if one of their friends or coaching clients came to them and said, you know, I'd really like to do X, Y, Z. As soon as they tell you that, um, it's like the old classic, if you buy a white um, Porsche, all you see is white Porsches. Yes. Um, it's, you know, it activates the reticular activation system in your mind and that's all you think about. So now you go around thinking, oh, how can I connect, you know, client Joe with somebody who can help them, you know, reach X, Y, Z. And so that is what, uh, you know, to the listeners, that's what Dan's saying here. You know, he's saying, find good people, tell them what you want to do. And that for some reason that galvanizes good people to take action on behalf of you. you. I mean, you can't stop them from helping you. And so that's a really great thing about being in good, positive coaching groups and having a good coach and hanging around the right people. Absolutely. So let's move on to talk about the perfect day formula. I'm, I'm really excited to get into this because this is an area I've personally kind of, I would describe, wrestled with for a number of years, constantly revisiting. Oh, well, on, on a quarterly basis, I'll revisit my uh, my goals, my annual goals, and my big picture vision, um, and then translate those goals into a, a a series of activities that I shape around a, a weekly structure, and then onto a daily structure. So, how can someone improve their day by defining their perfect day? Okay, so most people, and, and I was once like very much like you, and, and very much like the people who are starting from scratch with really really messy days. I mean, I didn't you know, have this back when I was 25, I probably didn't perfect my system until probably about 33 or 35. Um, so it was a, it was constant evolution. Now what you need to do, the most important thing is to be proactive, which means planning your days specifically, you know, plan what time you're going to get up, plan what you're going to focus on first thing in the morning. Um, there's a copywriter named Gary Bensavenga who's very famous and he recommends, focusing on your number one priority first thing in the morning for an hour, and he calls it your hour of power. Mm. And then there's other guys like Robin Sharma, who you might have heard of, a yes. very famous author. And he says, you know, first 90 minutes of your day, focus on your number one priority because that's like the 80-20 rule. You'll get 80% of your results from working, uh, you know, in 20, you know, from that 20%, you know, 90 minutes is 20% of an eight-hour day. And so, you know, there's a lot of people who talk about that. I'm a, I'm a true believer that, you need to wake up and get right to your number one priority before everything else gets in your way. And if you do nothing but get 15 minutes of clear thinking on your number one problem or priority in life, and you do that every day, that's a victory that the world cannot take away from you, no matter how busy the rest of your day. 
And so that's what I recommend as being your number one proactive approach to life. Get up early, focus for 15 minutes, you know, don't think about anything else. Don't turn on your computer. Just sit and focus on whatever your number one problem is, whether it's writing or whether it is you know, getting out of debt or whether it is trying to figure out ways to get more coaching clients. But if you just sit there and think with nothing else on your mind, you will have amazing breakthroughs. It's you know, when we try and do stuff over the rest of the day when there's all this you know, commotion and distraction that it really stops us from moving ahead. So that's what I highly recommend to people. And then also planning out the rest of your day as much as you can. So scripting your day, um, you know, having that planned out the day before. And also one thing that most people never think about is having an end time for their activities. So imagine you have a coaching call at 2 o'clock or perhaps a business call. And you have something at 3 o'clock, but you don't say to the person on the coaching call or whatever that we're going to stop at three o'clock and you know, they want to keep going and going and going and you run over time and you're late for your next appointment and that really throws off your day. So you actually have to have not only start times for your activities, but end times for your activities. And when you do that and it's really scripted out over the course of the day, you're going to get a lot done. You're going to feel that there's a sense of progress in all areas of your life. And that's so important for motivation because research shows that employees get demotivated by a lack of progress more than anything else. So if you do have people on your team and they don't see that they're making any progress, they're the type of people who might be looking for a new job and you don't know about it and then one day they come in and say they quit. So you need to be focusing on that. So those are the things. It's really about proactive planning. Do you have a particular philosophy in terms of once you've kicked into your day, how you structure your day going forward? Uh, So it really comes down to your personal work schedule. So um, you know, for me, I'm up at four. I write, you know, for the first hour or so, cause that's my number one priority. Then I go into some personal time stuff like meditation, walking the dog, having breakfast, then it's back to work, then it's training, then it's, you know, a little bit of work, then it's lunch. And then in the afternoon when I don't have a lot of mental capacity for writing, then I do calls like this. And so it's really structured around my personal energies and also my, um, you know, the, the tasks that I have to do. And also, you know, I know you want to talk about planning your week. Some of my days are different. You know, on Monday, it's almost entirely meetings with our team. So we have employee one-on-one meetings every Monday. They're called goal set and review meetings. And so that takes up almost all of my day. So I get a little bit of writing in before I go to the office. Then I'm in the office and in meetings pretty much all day. Now, Tuesday, it slows down a bit. And I go back to that regular schedule of, you know, writing, personal time, writing, and then some some meetings and then calls in the afternoon. So it really comes down to, you know, first of all, what do you have to get done? If, especially if you're an employee for somebody, obviously you have priorities for them and uh, performing at a high level. And then also, you know, how do you manage your your energy? Now, I could be forced to write in the afternoon, but it's not my best writing time. Mm. And so that's why I want to write in the morning. And then do coaching calls in the afternoon because that is something that I've been able to notice over the years of personal observation, object, objective and um, introspection on myself is I'm a really great morning person, not so great in the afternoon. And so I need to structure my days around that. 
Cool. And, and what in terms of task management, what, do you use any particular tools to help you stay on track with your productivity? What is your system for organizing your tasks? I just use a Word document. I have never used an app in my life. My phone is six years old. It is a BlackBerry that I bought in 2010. I've never had an app on it. I don't even know if it could actually even download an app. So uh, people make fun of me for my phone, but it keeps me out of trouble because I don't, uh, you know, waste any time on it. And so um, I don't, I don't do anything fancy. Uh, I should probably downgrade to paper and pen, but. I do like my little Word document system for my uh, to-do list. That's cool. I, I remember back in my corporate days um, a number of years ago, um, worked with a leader who insisted on using the paper and pen method. And there was me and all these um, young grads at the time all using these apps and different kinds of things. It was just so alien. But actually, do you know what? Since I've experimented with lots of different tools, but I often just go back to the pen and paper. It's it's easier and it's you can cross things off and move things around and it gives you a bit more flexibility and you operate from that master list uh, of actions that you've got that you set at the start of the week and it, it comes to give you that clarity. Yeah, it gives you a bit of clarity and it also gives you a bit of liberation and freedom from being tied into some of these things, uh, these electronics. Now, I use electronics for a lot of stuff, don't get me wrong, but I do appreciate uh, the old school way of doing things and people that you know use notebooks and stuff. It's a little bit harder to find some of the things you want to find uh, compared to electronics. But one thing I do encourage uh, for everyone, especially you young guys, is to consider having, if not a full day, but at least a good six or eight hour break on a weekend where you don't have any uh, connection to electronics. I mean, every Sunday I try and go what I call device free. So, um, you know, I don't turn on my phone. I don't turn on a computer. I don't do any of that stuff and it's just you know like old school and by old school i mean like 1985 you know where it's just you know living like as if i was living back then and it really is liberating you don't get sucked into all these things where you've lost an hour of thinking oh my goodness i just checked two websites and 60 minutes has gone by because if if i go to a website i mean i could be reading 10 different articles and end up on five different other articles referred to in this one article and i'm a bit of a news junkie and information addict so i got to be careful of that so um but again it's also very freeing because you know the next day you're like oh what happened yesterday i don't even know what happened yesterday and it's mm. an, it's sometimes that's a good thing to feel absolutely i think the other good thing about avoiding technology for a certain period of time for myself in terms of my structure you know, I call my daily actions, my MITs, my most important tasks. I, I will not allow myself to look at any notification or electronic device until that first 90-minute chunk of most important tasks is complete. And I think one of the side benefits of doing that is to say you log onto Facebook or you look at um, other blogs, you start to see things and other people and what they're doing, and it, it triggers that comparitis, I call it, where you start comparing yourself to other people in your industry and you think, hang on a minute, they're doing all this stuff now, maybe I should be doing that. And I just think, it's so important to create before you consume. And by doing my first most important task in the morning, it, it disables that function in my brain, which causes me to look at other people's content and think, oh, that was really good. I should be doing something like that and focus on my own game before I start looking at uh, other inspiration outside of me. Yeah, I would say that comparing yourself to others is, a cause, is the greatest cause of unhappiness in people with first world problems. Absolutely. Uh, so try not to compare yourself to others. It's something you can't control. And even if you were better than somebody else, what good does that do you? I mean, it doesn't do you any good at all. Um, 
at the end of the day. So that's, a, that's a, for sure. And I love your little phrase there, um, you know, create before you compare or create before you consume. That's a really great rule, a really great way of summarizing exactly what you and I do, which is get something done first thing in the morning before we do anything else. Indeed. So what are some of the other principles within the perfect day formula that really stand out? Well, there's really only three major principles in the book, and they are this. Uh, first of all, you're going to control your morning. You're going to uh, use the five pillars of transformation to change your life in any way. And then you're going to concentrate on what counts at night, which is your vision for your future. And it sounds like you use a lot of these tools already, Dan. Um, but it's all based on a formula that I learned from Epictetus, a Stoic philosopher who lived 2,000 years ago. And he said, control what you can, cope with what you can't, and concentrate on what counts. And that also helps us in that comparitis uh, issue. Mm. You know, you control only what uh, you think about and what you do and what you say. You can't control anything else. You can't control someone else's success. You can't control an angry boss. You can't control whether it's going to rain. You can't control whether or not there's going to be traffic. So you only control your response to those things. And you can be angry and waste your energy, or you can be, you know, proactive and figure out a way to make your your system work within the constraints of the world and so to do that we create boundaries for our life in the morning what i call the rules for your life uh, in the afternoon you use the five pillars of transformation which are planning and preparation professional accountability social support a meaningful incentive and the big deadline and then at night because you figured out what really matters in your life by going through this vision exercise that I've created in the book, then you are able to go home after a wonderful day of productivity and success and have the freedom to leave your work behind and to actually focus and be present on what matters, which you know could be your girlfriend or your spouse or your, or your kids or whatever it is, your health or your hobbies at night. So what is the kind of typical response, you know, when someone really gets to master their day and really take control? What are, what are the typical kind of transformations you see through going through this type of work? A lot of people find that it strengthens their marriages and their relationships uh, because they're actually present and focused. So if you take a look at let's let's call him Joe, who's a reactive person, you know, Joe's going to wake up uh, and hit the snooze button. So he's going to get out of bed 10 minutes late, which means he's going to be running late. Uh, to get his kids breakfast, to get himself breakfast, to get to work on time. He's going to show up late at work. He might only have stopped and got a coffee and a donut, so he's going to feel terrible in two hours. Then he's going to go and make a bad decision at lunch because he didn't have time to make his own lunch, so he's going to be falling asleep in his chair at 2 o'clock. And then he's going to, uh, you know, because of all these mistakes, he's going to have to work late, which means he's going to miss family dinner and he's going to show up late to uh, whatever the kids have going on that night. And that is just a terrible, terrible way to go through life. And it really ruins the relationships, not only with your children, but with your partner. And so, you know, it can really weaken a relationship. Now, on the other hand, if somebody's proactive and they get up early and they focus on their number one problem or their, their hobby or whatever it is, if they want to become a writer, they get to write for 30 minutes in the morning. And then the rest of the family gets up and, you know, everybody has a, a fairly nice breakfast and gets to school and work on time. And then at work, you're a productive person and you're actually home on time for dinner and you spend, you know, the dinner hour actually eating together, which is research shows the number one factor in having well-adjusted kids is having dinner with your children on a regular basis. And then you get to do whatever you want to do at night. I mean, it's just a huge difference in somebody's life 
even if they're the same person with the same morals and the same values, it's simply being proactive versus reactive. You know, if you're reactive, it's completely stressful. But if you're proactive, it it allows you to make um, achievements and move ahead. And it's just a world of difference. It's like somebody being in debt versus out of debt. I mean, the, being in debt is just so much stress on any relationship. Whereas if you're out of debt because you've been proactive, um, it just allows you to to really grow your relationships. And so that's what I hear from most people that it strengthens the relationships that they have, particularly with their kids. Most, you know, a lot of the people with my program are, you know, 35, 40, 45 years old doing well. You know, like, for example, one of my best success stories is a pediatric anesthesiologist, but she wants to be a writer. So she gets up a little bit early in the morning. She writes and but she's still home on time for dinner with the kids and still reads to them and puts them to bed. And, you know, she's she said that it strengthened her marriage because of the planning and preparation. Amazing. I, I, I just think the product's so important for for the younger generation as well, because, you know, everyone's growing up in this kind of computer game generation. And it's it, what it means is that people are so addicted to variety that and they've got all these different interests, all these different passions, having real structure to your day enables you to take all those different areas and bring it all together in a way that enables you to actually maximize your gift and really identify what your most powerful vision is so i think the program would be absolutely essential for someone whose passions and all their different talents really important because in my own experience i'm one of those people i've got loads of different passions loads of different interests lots of different strengths that i like to work on and develop but without structure because i'm a natural uh, probably I used to describe as someone who had organized chaos. Uh, I like to remove some of that chaos now and be a lot more disciplined in my time. And it's, it's made such a world of difference in terms of my own productivity, but also my own level of comfort. You know, I used to carry a stress level around me because I had all these things in my mind and I didn't have a way of structuring them. So structuring my day in a very defined way has really been a transformational process. So I'd strongly encourage people to check out your work with the perfect day because and, and specifically as well, the, the, the commandments, the, ten, the, the rules you speak about, we haven't spoken about them in detail, but this is an area which, again, is, is absolutely game-changing for people if they implement these daily rules and abide by them. It's, it's just transformational. So perhaps you could just, just drop a few hints about what, that, what that's all about so that some of the listeners uh, can, can get, get a handle on that. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, so people who think, oh, I don't want rules in my life. Well, you know, you operate by rules all the time. So if you stopped at a red light, you're operating by rules. If you uh, eat a paleo diet, you operate by very strict rules. Um, you know, if you didn't kill anyone today, you operate by some rules. You know, you operate by the Ten Commandments. So what the rules allow you to do is remove chaos from your life. And so if you say, I go to bed Monday to Friday, every night, or you know, Sunday to Thursday, every night at 10 p.m., and I get eight hours sleep so that I'm well rested for the you know the day ahead. Then you're going to be the type of person who's going to do that, and you're going to get ahead in life. But if you just kind of like wing it, um, you know, tonight I might stay up until one o'clock, or you know, I'm going to try and get to bed at you know 11 o'clock tonight. You always end up staying late, and the next next thing you know, you wake up the next day, you're tired, and you're like. I'm going to go to bed earlier tonight. I'm going to go to bed earlier tonight. And you never do. And so if you have a rule, if you put a rule in your life for getting to bed at the same time every night and getting up at the same time every morning, you're going to be much more organized and successful. Now you can have a nutrition rule. You can have an exercise rule. You know, I exercise at the gym three times per week or I run five miles, four days a week, whatever it is you want. It just allows you to state what type of person you are. 
And when you state what type of person you are, you will always act in congruence with what type of person you are because the world dislikes a hypocrite as much as it dislikes almost any type of person. It doesn't like when somebody says one thing and does another. And so when you put your rules out there and you share them with people, then they'll say, hey, wait a minute, why are you doing that? Because you said in your rules that you're, you know, you do this, but you know, now you, you know, you said you were a vegan, but now you're eating a steak. What's going on here? That doesn't, you know, I don't, uh, I don't trust you anymore. Um, so that's, you know, just some of those health rules, but then there's also rules about your personal behavior. So if you want to change some habits that you have, um, you know, such as I don't want to get, I don't, I'm the type of person who doesn't get in yelling matches with my partner in public. You know, if that's something that you're struggling with right now, that you get in arguments at, you know, social events or at bars or whatever it is, um, and you find that embarrassing after the fact, you can make that one of your rules. Listen, I don't fight with my spouse in public. You know, if there's a disagreement that comes up, we'll talk it out at home. But I'm not going to fight in public and, you know, embarrass myself anymore. And if you make that a rule, I mean, you're not going to always succeed at it at first, but it's going to stop you from doing it as often as you had done in the past. And you're going to get better at it till one day it's really easy and it's natural for you. So you can actually change some of your bad habits just by, you know, saying to yourself, what type of person do I really want to be? And then telling the world that you're going to be that type of person. And then that is the type of person you will eventually become because you have told the world and you do not want to be a hypocrite. So if you want to be a generous leader and you make that a rule, I am a, a leader of people and I'm very generous with my time and my money and people you know, see you out and they say, hey, would you mind uh, you know, coming by this charity event tomorrow that we're doing? Maybe help us raise some money and donate a little bit of your time. And you say no, they're going to look at you and say, you just, you know, you tell all these people you're a generous leader and you won't even come and help. Well, it's going to change your behavior, even if that was your natural inclination. So, you know, one of the things that I changed is I stopped swearing in six days just by saying that I'm not the type of person that swears. And you can do it. You can change so many aspects of your life when you commit to it and you tell other people and you decide uh, what type of person you're going to become. Absolutely. And it really impacts you the identity level. I, I was speaking with my accountability. I have an accountability buddy. We speak every single day. And um, what he felt totally out of alignment for, for, for whatever reason. And what it, what it materialized is that he was flouting two of his core rules. He has his 10 rules that he abides by. And two of them he was not uh, standing by. And, you know, now he's corrected those two things that he was um, out of alignment with. He, he's back on track and he's within 24 hours, things have changed. It's so it's so amazing how powerful those things can be. So just before we move into the final rapid fire round, where can people find out about the Perfect Day Formula, Craig? Well, they can go to Amazon and get the book. So we have it on all three you know, methods of consumption, regular hard copy book, um, Audible as well, and then Kindle version. But if they want the kit, which is actually like a home coaching course, they can go to perfectdayformula.com and watch the video there as I unbox the kit and take people through how it would be like having me at your kitchen table kind of coaching you through exactly what you want to change in your life. And it's a lot of fun just to, to see what's all in this little kit because it's been quite a lot of fun putting it together. Awesome. Awesome. It'll be great to check out. So the final quick fire round now, I've got three power questions for you to finish up for today. Um, the first question, Craig, is uh, if you were to start your entrepreneurial journey all over again with everything that you know now, what would be the first thing that you would do? Oh, I'd hire a coach for sure. Absolutely. I'd find somebody who has 
been there and done that, who's achieved what I want to achieve, who has the same morals and ethics as me, and who has uh, who comes with a lot of referrals and recommendations, and I would find a way to learn from that person. If I had no money, then I would buy their books and I would watch their YouTube videos. If I had a little bit of money, I'd buy their you know their introductory course. If I had a decent amount of money, I would go to their seminar. And if I had uh, you know the amount of money that I have now, I would hire them as a personal coach. So that's the first thing that I would do. I'd find them and make them a mentor of mine, one way or another. Uh, whether a virtual mentor where I watch their YouTube videos or whether they're one-on-one. That is the absolute number one thing that I would do. Great, great advice as well. And the second question is, what is the most impactful piece of advice that you have personally received? I think it's the uh, 3C formula that I learned from Epictetus, which is control what you can, cope with what you can't, and concentrate on what counts. So that really allowed me to reduce a lot of stress in my life when I realized, you know, I can't control what anybody else does. You cannot control another person. Um, you, I can't control my dog. I mean, my dog just has instincts. And so I can't get mad at it. I can't, you know, get angry about what other people do. I can only control my reaction to it. And, you know, if, if somebody pours a beer on me at a bar, or, you know, spills coffee on me, I can't control that they did that, but I can control whether or not I get angry and make a big scene about it or whether I just brush it off and say, ah, you know, I'll, I'll clean these pants later. It's not a big deal. Absolutely. And the final piece is, what does it mean to you to be unstoppable? Uh, for me to be unstoppable means for me to be proactive, to be able to work according to my plan, to do the best of my abilities, and that is to help people change their lives. And when I can change you know, 10 lives of people who can then change lives of 10 other people who can then change the lives of 10 other people. It's that unstoppable ripple of transformation. And that's one of the things that I seek to achieve in my life, which is helping 10 million people transform their lives uh, physically, mentally, and financially. And so if I can go out and help people every day, then I'm going to be unstoppable. Amazing. Amazing. And and, uh, that's a fantastic mission. And like you say, if it's 10 helping 10 and 10 helping 10, it's that geometric effect of lasting change and uh, that huge ripple effect. So that's, a, that's an amazing goal. So in terms of your work, then the final question is, where would people go to find out about your work right now? What's the best place for people to start? I would start with earlytorise.com, which is our, our website where we have other experts sharing their information at the same time as me. And, and then also, uh, if you want to connect on social media, the best one actually that I use is um, Twitter. So twitter.com forward slash Craig Ballantyne if you need to uh, ask me any questions. Awesome. Craig, well, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Incredible value, some great insights around productivity and achieving your vision and, uh, and fantastic for you to share your story and, and some of the challenges and defining moments in your own career. So I really appreciate being so open and, and candidly sharing tonight on the Unstoppable podcast. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you, and uh, I look forward to sharing this episode with the Unstoppable Tribe. Thank you very much. Great questions. Wow, I hope you got as much value as I did from today's podcast. Getting your day structured in the right way can have such a phenomenal impact on your productivity, but not only your productivity, but your overall quality of life. And hopefully everything we've talked about today will really help you to get the most out of your day. Be sure to go and look at the Perfect Day Formula All the links will be in the show notes.
Finally, before we sign off for today, if you haven't already done so, go and join the Unstoppable Mastermind. It's my free group on Facebook where the Unstoppable tribe meet and share their vision and we are there to support each other's dreams and goals. So you can find that at unstoppablepodcast.com forward slash tribe. Until next time, please continue to share the podcast. I really appreciate your support and your uh, dedicated listening to this uh, show. And I can't wait to bring you some even more exciting episodes down the track. Thanks for listening. Until next time, go out there, unleash your greatness, build your empire, and make your impact on the world. You are unstoppable.